everyone, and welcome to the Grain by Train podcast for Grain Week 32, where we discuss how rail service performance is impacting the movement and export of Western Canadian grain. I'm Greg Northey from Pulse Canada, and I'm joined by Milt Proye of QGI Consulting, who manages the Ag Transport Coalition, a consortium of agriculture groups that produce data and reports on rail service and performance. Thanks for joining us today, Milt. Hi, Greg. Nice to be with you. The week 32 is in the books. Uh, it's coming on the heels of uh, some difficult few, uh, last few weeks, uh, but we did see a little bit of improvement. Uh, what did you see in the reports this week? Well, I think it's uh, fair to say that CN um, showed uh, quite a bit of improvement. You know, they managed to supply 75% of shipper orders in week 32, which was materially better than we'd seen in the two prior weeks where they struggled to come in around the 50% mark. So that was a good sign. Um, the improvement we saw this week, uh, also a positive sign in that it was kind of a general improvement across multiple corridors uh, with some notable improvement to the West Coast, which of course is you know the most important corridor at this time of year um, for CN and for CP, frankly. Uh, having said that, you know, they do continue to struggle a little bit in, in the Vancouver corridor. You know, they were much better in week 32 than in week 31, but still only managed to meet 62% of demand. So not particularly great there. Prince Rupert, much better. Um, and their performance was helped, frankly, by the fact that uh, they had canceled 1,100 outstanding orders or 1,100 orders from shippers in week 31, which kind of took... Uh, a bunch of demand off the table for them and, and effectively, you know, lowered the bar uh, for performance. CP, um, on a very positive note, is starting to show some durability. They've managed to hit the 90% threshold two weeks in a row. Um, for some context on that, that's the first time that they've done that since August. And for even more context on that, CN has not hit the 90% mark once since week 45 of the last green year. So it's quite an achievement, frankly, for CP to have, have gotten back there and stayed there for two weeks in a row. A good sign. Yeah, definitely a good sign, but also not a great sign when it's taken this long, or at least we've had such long periods between between 90%. It's certainly a, a, a benchmark that we prefer to be hitting, you know, week in and week out. Provincially, uh, as, we, as we've seen in other weeks, a lot of unevenness between uh, performance. Uh, so if you're a farmer or a shipper in some provinces, you're definitely seeing better performance than, than others in other provinces. What, uh, what, did, uh, what did the reports show about provincial report, uh, performance this, this week? Well, given the uh, uptick, if you will, in system performance for both railways, um, you would expect that you would see a general lifting of performance at the provincial level, and that's pretty much what we saw. Still a fair bit of unevenness, though, um, when you look across the provinces and across the railways. Um, you know, CN, for instance, from their best performance, which was in Manitoba, to their worst performance, which was in Saskatchewan, there was a 20 point spread, you know, 90 versus 70. So, you know, I accept the fact that Manitoba's demand levels are significantly lower than Saskatchewan's, but still at the end of the day, that's a fair uh, difference in performance from one province to the next. CP uh, similarly had some, you know, uh, a bit of range from top to bottom, but much tighter than CN on the whole, where their province, uh, provincial performance ranged from 86 to 100%, so, so better. 
Yeah. Thanks for that Milt. And, uh, you know, spring has sprung. We're officially in spring now, often a, uh, inflection point for, for grain movement. Uh, we've started to see some changes in Thunder Bay and, and changes in, in, in demand overall for the sector. Uh, I think we'll start to explore some of these issues as we move forward in the, in the next few weeks, but going forward, what are some things that, uh, that everyone should be watching out for? Well, as you say, spring has arrived and with it comes changes and in some respects, some good news. Um, probably the most significant change that we're gonna see in the near term is increased volumes to Thunder Bay. Uh, traditionally, uh, the shipment patterns are that, you know, Thunder Bay closes down uh, mid to late December and starts to reopen uh, mid to late March. Uh, in that interim period, shipments to direct rail shipments to Eastern Canada uh, ramp up. And then as Thunder Bay comes back, the Eastern Canada shipments go down and Thunder Bay shipments um, start to go up again. So the Seaway is going to open in the next week or so. And, and we are already seeing Eastern Canada shipments go down, um, which, you know, may have a side benefit perhaps of minimizing the impact on grain of what appears to be a potential strike at the Port of Montreal. And it may also take some pressure off the West Coast, particularly Vancouver, where frankly, both CN and CP have struggled for much of the last few months. So some of the volume will move east instead of west, and we'll see how the railways handle that. Um, the second point which you raised, uh, this is also the time of year where we generally start to see demand decline. Um, which is really just a function of, you know, grain supplies starting to run out and seeding coming and getting ready for the next crop year. We don't see definitive signs of this yet. Um, and we know that it was not the case last year, at least not to the extent that it is historically. So it will be interesting to see, you know, how demand holds up or does not uh, as we go through the spring here, because that may be a significant determinant of performance going forward. And lastly, uh, which you mentioned, uh, which it would be good to talk about in more detail, perhaps next week on the podcast, is this idea of what will performance look like in a post-COVID world. Um, we know that uh, grain has benefited uh, from uh, perhaps more network capacity than normal over the last few months uh, by virtue of declines in other sectors. We know that those uh, sectors are coming back and have come back a long way in the last few months. Uh, and the question becomes, so what now for grain, you know, as, as the railways um, resources are pulled in multiple directions, um, as the economy ramps back up, is that going to have a negative impact on grain, no impact on grain? We're not really sure, uh, but I'm sure we're going to start to see the effects of that over the next couple of months. Yeah, thanks, Milt. And definitely something we'll start to look at because, um, you know, the next grain year, it's only a few months away. It's hard to believe, but we'll have to start thinking about what it looks like uh, for the overall capacity of the network once uh, all the other commodities uh, really start uh, going at full speed. So I think we'll touch a little bit on that for the for our, one of our upcoming podcasts. Um, thanks again, Milt, for joining us. For those who want to see the reports, you can go to www.agtransportcoalition.com. And we'll talk to you all next week. Bye.